Amen. I appreciate Smitty sharing his story, and, and I love to hear stories. I love to hear faith stories of how God is working in the lives of people, how God is working in your life. And if you'd like to share your story, um, please let us know, and we'll um, we'll we'll help you develop that. And you'll have it forever, and you can share that with people. You can email it to people, and they can know where you stand. And uh, you can just by sharing your story, you can share the gospel and share God's faithfulness and how He's been faithful. To you, and many of us have a story that that has been written or is being written. And uh, the cool thing is, is that we have a lot to say about the next chapters that are going to be written in our story. It all depends on how we choose to live and uh, our faithfulness to God, our Heavenly Father. And so today, I'm really glad you're here. So we continue our sermon series called Replay. We're talking about. The greatest faith plays of all time. And today we're talking about Noah. Uh, a few years ago, we were in the car on our way home after church. And uh, like I usually do, I asked my kids, I said, hey, what'd you learn in kids church today? And Jacob, I believe it was Jacob that, that shot back with an immediate question. And he said, hey, dad, when are we going to start learning something at church other than Noah and the ark and Jonah and the whale? Well, I really didn't have an answer for him because I'm not the children's minister, right? And so he was, he was tired of hearing that. He'd been hearing it his whole life. And, you know, when I tell you we're going to talk about Noah and the ark today, you may be like my, my son and my, my daughter who feel like that redundantly they were talking about Noah and the ark in church. And so you may feel like you've got the story figured out. Or you may be that person that you don't know a whole lot about Noah or the ark or what an ark is. And the only thing you've ever seen about Noah is the pictures in a daycare or in your kid's nursery. Um, but whether or not you know a lot or don't know a whole lot about Noah, today we're going to talk about him. We're going to talk about his faith because Noah, the story of Noah, is a classic Old Testament narrative that shows us uh, just exactly how to live out our faith. And so if you take your Bible this morning, turn to Hebrews chapter 11, and then we're going to turn over to Genesis chapter 6. That's where the whole story is recorded in Genesis chapter 6, 7, 8, and 9, and we're not going to read all four chapters, I promise, okay? So Hebrews chapter 11 and Genesis chapter 6 today. If we're going to learn to live by faith, we have to be clear about what faith is. And last week I told you that faith is not about your denomination. It's not about the church you belong to. It's not about a set of beliefs. It's not a noun. It's not just something you believe. It's a verb. Faith is a verb. And what it means is, it means that it's, it's something alive and active. It's something that you do. It's, it's how you not only believe in God, but it's how you live for God. It's what you believe about Him that makes your faith real and strong and that guides your life. And so, just to review, there are three things I want you to write down. And you can write down the letters BFF. Because God is our best friend. Amen? I know it's a little hokey, but here it is. Alright, if you're going to have faith, number one, you got to believe. Last week I said that faith is believing in the existence of God, that God is real. That God created all things, He created this world, and He created us. And so we believe that. Uh, the, the second thing that you have to do is you have to fully trust. Faith is about fully trusting God. It is, it is full assurance and confidence in God and His Word. So you're pa- placing that confidence in God Himself, and you're, you have confidence in Him that He's going to keep His Word and His promise. And third, you follow. 
Faith is about following God. It's about actively and presently following God into the unknown. That's what faith is. And a great picture of that kind of faith is the faith of Noah. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7 says, By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, he moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. And so this is Noah recorded in the New Testament. He lived out his faith in the Old Testament. And so here's kind of how it worked is that Noah was a man that was known to walk with God. He had a walk with God and walking with God means he had a relationship with him. He walked with God. He talked with God. They had this conversational kind of relationship going on. And he was faithful and loyal to God. And his stories in Genesis chapter 6. And what you know about Genesis is it's the beginning. That's what Genesis means. It's the beginning. And so in the beginning, God created the universe. He created all living things. He created humanity, the first woman, the first man. Um, the other way around, though. And so God created all things. And when he was finished, he looked at what he had made and he said, this is good. This is good. It's what it's what I say when I look at my wife. This is good. She's not always good, but she always looks good. All right. And so God, God looked at what he had made. He looked at man. He looked at woman. He said, hey, this is good. And so God was pleased with what he had made and. And you know what happened? Adam and Eve sinned. They fell. They, they fell out of their relationship with God because they chose to disobey God. They chose something different and they fell out of that relationship that they had with God. And so 1600 years later, the population had grown, some say, to about 10 billion people upon the earth. It's about 10 billion people. And God again looked at what he created and he said, this is not good. This is not good. And he says that he was grieved in his heart because what he saw was that what he created as good had just spiraled downward and out of control since Adam and Eve had sinned. And it says in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, that when the Lord saw the wickedness of man and saw that it was great upon the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. And it says the Lord was sorry that he had made man upon the earth and that he was grieved in his heart. So he was sorry that he had made man because sin was everywhere. It was out of control. And the situation had gone from good to bad, from good to evil, from good to grief in the heart of God. And verse 6 tells us that he was sorry that he had made man. And in this statement, what you see is you see some of the human characteristics of God. Of how he was, he was grieved in his heart, how there was, there was deep sorrow, there was anguish, there was regret, and there was heartache over sin. And because of this sorrow and this regret, in verse 7, he says, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. That word destroy comes from a Hebrew word, maka. It literally means to wipe them out. And what he said was, is because they've sinned and because they're so evil, I'm going to wipe them out. I'm going to take them out. I'm going to clear the face of the earth. And he says, I'm going to clean out both man and beast and creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I've made them. And the questions that that 
creates in our heart is, is why would God do this? Why would he feel this way? After all, it was his idea. It was God's idea to create man, right? It's God's idea. It was his work. He did it all. So what did he expect? And when you give someone this gift of choice, this freedom to choose, then you run a risk. And that's what God did because he realized that there was a risk when he created man. He made man, he made you and I with the ability to choose. And so here's what happens is some are going to choose to follow God. Some are going to choose not to follow God. That's the risk you run when you give people choice. I find that in my own life. Hey, I'm going to give my kids the choice. And then when they do what I don't want them to do, then I'm, I'm disappointed kind of in myself that I didn't just make the call for them. But you got to do that to give, give people their freedom to make the choice and they learn from those choices. And God knew that it was a risk. And here's why He took the risk. Because it's better to be loved by choice than to be loved by force. That's what God knew. Forced love isn't true love, is it? And so God, He didn't force them to love Him, but they weren't choosing Him. But God was looking for someone who did. In Psalm 14, verse 2, it says that the Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, if there are any who seek God. And then in 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9, it says that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to Him. And so God was looking for this person and He looked down from heaven and He searched the whole earth and He found this man, this one who was loyal, this one who would be faithful among ten billion. And His name was Noah. In Genesis 6, verse 8, it says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. And before it tells who his family was, it says this. It says Noah was a just man. He was perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. And so God approaches Noah, whose name means rest. Noah's name means rest. His dad named him Noah. He said his name should be called Noah, the one who will comfort us, the one who will bring us rest concerning our work and the toil of our hands in Genesis chapter 5, verse 28. But that's what his dad declared that he would do. But this is what God declared that he would be. It says that he walked with God and that he was perfect in his generation. And because of who Noah was, God established this covenant with him. He established this covenant to use him to build the ark so that the human race could survive the judgment that God was about to pour out on the whole earth and all mankind. And so at this point, what I want to show you is that there is a way that we can live the kind of faith that Noah had. And here's how you do it. If you want to have the kind of faith that Noah had, then you have to choose to be the one in ten billion who is loyal to God. Sounds a little far stretched, doesn't it? Sounds a little out of reach. But we have to choose every day to be the one who is loyal to God. In our crowd, at our job, at our school, in our family, we have to make the decision, hey, I'm going to follow God. At all costs, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be loyal. What does it mean to be loyal? It means to be whole. It means to be completely faithful. Not wavering to one side or to the other, but you're on the straight and narrow path. And that's what God found Noah to be. And when you read an epic story 
like this, it's sort of natural to kind of identify with a with a character in the story. Do you, do you do that? Do you ever find that to be true? Um, the, the main character in every story throughout Scripture is always God. Okay, so that's a given. God is the main character. He's the hero in every story in the Bible. But from a human standpoint, the one that we tend to to recognize that, that we can relate with is the human person, the, the, the human in the story. It's that person that is kind of going through life, doing the same thing that that we do on a daily basis. It's, it's live and deal with temptation and deal with struggle and try to survive. It's, it's just making it one more day. That's the way Noah lived his life. And so whoever you choose to identify with by nature today, let's, let's identify with Noah because he's kind of like you and I. All right. So Noah was this guy that, um, since we're talking about him, he's, you know, he's a pretty famous guy. His story is well known throughout the whole earth and uh, most people these days can identify with, with that because the way I see it, most people want to be famous today. Uh, YouTube is uh, very well known for making famous people. Uh, the Bieber man, Justin Bieber, he's a YouTube sensation. He had the desire to be famous, he put his stuff on YouTube and voila, he's, he's, he's identified for his talent. And there are a lot of kids today that man, their desire is to be famous. They want to be known. And, and I remember growing up, I, I didn't care what I did really in life. I just, I want to be famous. I want to be famous and I want to make a lot of money. Those two things were important. And I think we raise a generation today that wants to be famous and they want to be wealthy. They want to be financially set. They don't want to have struggle in their life. Well, Noah didn't exactly choose to be famous. He, he wasn't the guy that was trying to be famous. He was just the guy that was trying to be faithful. We don't see that a lot today, but that's who Noah was. And Noah was a guy who was trying to be faithful. And that was his heart. That was his heartbeat, is just to be faithful to God. And what I find is that not a lot of people want to just be faithful. They're not content with just being faithful to God. There are so many things that are vying for our attention so much noise that is poured into our lives and gets us distracted. And we want more. We always want more. Well, Noah was the guy that was content. He was the guy that was content to walk the straight path, to walk the straight and narrow, despite what everybody else did. I don't know if you can relate to that or not, but there was a guy in the 1990s. He was a cross-country runner, and he was in an NCAA Division II cross-country championship race in California. And he was running with another 127 runners. And so they set out on this, on this race as a 10,000 meter course. And about three miles into the race, this guy's name was Mike DeVolco was somewhere in the middle of the pack. He was running along with everyone else and he was watching where everyone else was going. But he realized about three miles into the course that everybody else had gone the wrong way. And so he took the right path and he started yelling for everybody else. Hey, you're going the wrong way. You're going the wrong way. And out of 128 runners, only four people took the right path. And you think, well, good for him. You know what happened? You would think, well, the dude won the race, right? Well, they get to the finish line. And because the other people had cut off about a half a mile of their their journey... Uh, he came in the middle of the pack. Actually, he was in about the bottom third. He was 103rd out of 127, 128 people. 
And the judges in the race started looking at what had happened. And they determined that because everybody else had taken that wrong path and only four had taken the right path, then they declared that the wrong path was the right one. And they didn't change the outcome of the race. Does that sound familiar to you? How today we're just trying to live lives and we struggle. Man, we struggle. How many of you struggle to live to live like Noah? We struggle in our faith. We struggle to be faithful. We struggle not to make the wrong decision or the bad decision. And the reason it's so hard is because what, what is right and what used to be wrong have just flipped. What used to be wrong is now right. Just because everybody else is doing it. But Noah was the type of guy who took the right path. And he just put his faith and trust in God. That God would be faithful. That God would reward. And God did. So you say, well, what was Noah doing that was so faithful? Well, if you follow Noah's track record, God found him faithful. But if you follow the lineage of Noah's family, you'll find that he came from the line of Seth. Does anybody know who Seth is? Seth was the son who was born to Adam and Eve after Cain killed Abel. And Seth's name means compensation. He was how God paid Adam and Eve back for what they lost. They lost their son who was choosing to honor God and to obey God and to sacrifice the way God wanted sacrifice done to, to choose to follow. And Seth came along and he was the one who chose to follow. And it says that in the days of Seth, that men were starting to call upon the name of the Lord. And you know what it means to call upon the name of the Lord? It means to call out to Him. Men probably didn't know a whole lot about God because there was a gap in this godly line, but Seth reestablished it. He had seen worship from his parents. And he reestablished and began to call upon the name of the Lord, to call out to God. And that's the line, that's the heritage that Noah had. But years removed, when everybody else went the wrong way, Noah was still choosing God. And God found him faithful. It's one in ten billion that would choose to be right. And you say, well, one in ten billion, that's something to celebrate, right? Well, not necessarily. I think that it's more of a burden than a blessing. And uh, here's why. First of all, if you're one in ten billion and you win the lottery, that's something to celebrate. But um, I hope you don't play the lottery a whole lot. So, uh, But if you do win, as one preacher said, um, if you win the lottery, you need to tithe on it because it's been in the devil's hands too long. Okay? So um, if you wonder where I stand on that, yes. All right. But you think, hey, it's great to be the chosen one, right? Well, I think that to Noah, it was more of a burden than a blessing. And what I've found that initially the call to live by faith is more of a burden then it is a blessing. And the reason it's more of a burden than it is a blessing is because of just how heavy, just how heavy it is. And here's kind of what I've experienced is that if, if the calling sounds good and looks good, uh, then you're probably not being called to live by faith. All right. If it, if it feels good, it's probably not faith. If it doesn't require sacrifice and cost you something, it's probably not faith. And if it seems possible for you to achieve on your own, then it's probably not faith. 
Because without the miraculous work and power of God, it can't be achieved then that's probably, that's probably faith. And so Noah looked at this and it's probably a heavy burden on him to know that God was calling him to build an ark, that God was saying, I'm going to judge the world, I'm going to wipe everybody out except for you. Oh, so you're the chosen one. You're the special one. Can you imagine what Noah went through? Can you imagine the heckling and the, the criticism and all that people said and how they... How they criticized him and doubted him about building this thing called an ark. And how they thought he was crazy because he thought it was going to rain when it never rained. They didn't know what rain was. But Noah chose to be the one and I'm sure he carried that burden. But what he knew was is that only by faith is it possible to please God. Only by faith can we please God. And so let me talk about the burden for just a minute. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 13 says, God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And then in verse 14, he says, hey, I want you to go build the ark. And he told him exactly how to build it. In verse 17, he says, it's going to rain. It's going to flood. I'm wiping everything out. Everybody is going to die except for you. I'm going to establish my covenant with you. You shall go into the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your son's wives with you. And I'm sure at this point, with God dropping this heavy message on Noah, he wasn't really feeling the blessing. He was feeling the burden. Sometimes God puts a burden on us, and our faith is determined by how we handle the burden. And so this is what Noah did. Noah felt the burden, but he chose to turn his burden into a blessing. And if you want to live a faith like Noah, you've got to choose to turn your burden, the burden of your calling, into a blessing. You say, well, how does that happen? Well, sometimes it takes 120 years. And if it takes that long, we may never know in this life what it feels like to turn our burden into a blessing. It took Noah 120 years to build the ark and to come to that place where he got to have and experience the reward that God had to give him. And so Noah lived to be 950 years old, and so 120 years was really nothing to him. But most of us won't live that long. I seriously doubt many of us will live to be 120 years old. In this life, we may not get to relish in the reward that God has to give us. But what I've seen and what, what, I, what I want us to live our life by is that we are planting seeds for a future generation. And that's the way Noah went into it. He was planting seeds for a future generation. In fact, Noah was obedient to God. He, he, he lived out his faith and obedience to God so that there would be a next generation. Can you imagine what had happened if Noah had disobeyed? If Noah had just thought, man, that was a crazy thought. Build an ark? That's nuts. People are going to think I'm crazy. People are going to think I'm weird. People are going to turn on me. I'm going to lose my friends. Think he was worried about that? Noah was human. We don't know the, the agony. We don't know the suffering. We don't know the pain that he felt on the inside. But he was human. So I'm sure that a lot of those thoughts were there. He wasn't superhuman. He wasn't God. But he walked with God. And by walking with God, he had the confidence to do what God called him to do and said, okay, 
I accept it. Let's let's do it. And so what God said is, hey, let's build this thing. In chapter 6, verse 14, he said, I want you to make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. You know what pitch is? Pitch is like tar. I want you to seal it so water doesn't come in. I want this thing to float. I, I want it to be uh, sturdy. And I want you to build it. Told him exactly how to do it. Verse 22, it says, Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him. So he did. So he was faithful. And God said, hey, I want you to go build an ark. And the word ark is in the Hebrew language is tabah. And this is how God said it. Asa laka tabah. Can you say that? Asa laka tabah. So you can speak Hebrew. What he said was, go make an ark. Go build this thing. And I want you to get in it. And what, what tabah means in Hebrew is box. It doesn't mean a boat. I want you to go build a box. It was a big box of boxes. That's what it was. It was 450 feet long. That's longer than a football field, right? It was 45 feet wide, and it was actually 75 feet wide, and it was 45 feet high. It had three levels. That's 100,000 square feet. That is three times the size of this building. And I kind of did some calculations. I grew up on a farm, you know. We pull, we pull a cattle trailer around a lot. And a standard size cattle trailer is approximately a 16 by 7 foot trailer. I don't know exactly how many you can get in there, but I came up with a number. And what I came up with is in the 16 by 7 foot box that he was building inside this big thing he called an ark. Uh, he could probably fit about 832, I believe, is how many boxes I calculated that he could put in there. And, and if you, if you multiply it out, you come up with somewhere around 30,000 animals that he could fit on the ark, and maybe more. But he had to feed them. He had to take care of them. I grew up on a dairy, and one of my jobs on the dairy farm was scraping the lot after we milked the cows. And you say, what were you scraping? Well, you know what cows do, right? Yeah. We had a mountain of that stuff out in the pasture. I mean, it was, they did a lot of that. And so you can imagine that Noah being on this, on this ark in this box with all these animals for about a year, you can imagine what it was like. That's what he did. He got on there. He got on the boat as God had commanded him. What you have to understand is there was no pilot. There was no steering wheel. There was no rudder. There was no propeller. There was no GPS. There was no way to control the vessel. There was no way that he could steer this thing on his own. And so God said, build it, fill it, get in it, shut it, and just trust me, he said. And on the back of the ark, there was, there was a bumper sticker that kind of looked like this that says, get in, sit down, shut up, and hang on. Do you remember that? Yeah, God coined that term. That was God's idea. And so Noah did. He got in and he trusted God. He trusted God to take him through the storm, through the flood, through the judgment. And there's a lot of great implications. There are a lot of great applications that we can make. But what I want you to see is that to some this would be a burden, to some it would be a blessing, to some it would be both. 
But it really all depends on how you look at it. But this is what it was. It was a great opportunity for Noah to trust and obey God, to take him at his word. And so the question that I ask is, how do you turn a burden into a blessing? Well, it's one word. It's wait. W-A-I-T. Wait. And in the waiting, we ask a question. Why am I trusting? Why am I trusting? Why am I trusting that what God just said is true? Why am I trusting that what I just heard was the voice of God? Why am I trusting? And the reason we're asking that question is because our hearts are filled with doubt and questioning. And we need things to make sense. We need it to make sense. I remember right before Heather and I got married, I just have to tell you, I didn't have a clue about money. I didn't have a clue how to budget. I didn't know what a budget was, really. And we're driving down the road and Heather's got her pen and paper and she's writing down our budget. She's like, I don't think we can make it. I don't think we'll be able to make it. Brian, all I need is I need security. I need I need security. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can provide that kind of security. And when she says, I don't think we can make it, I'm thinking, we're going to die. And what she was meaning was, hey, we don't make enough money to pay our bills. But in my mind, I'm a fatalist. I mean, to the extreme. And I'm thinking... We're going to die. I'm like, I'm not moving in with my parents. We're going to die. That's the way I thought. And so in the waiting, we say, why, why am I trusting? Because we're full of, of questions and doubt. And I'm sure there were times that Noah doubted God. I'm sure that there were times that he struggled with it. I'm sure that there were times that he want, that he that he had to face his wife and his wife looked at him and said, hey, Noah, we're not going to make it. And he had to discern within his heart and mind of what that actually meant. He's called to trust God. He's called to believe the promise. And he did. Can you imagine? I mean, Noah was faced with it every day, every day. He had the choice to walk away. He had the choice to make, say, hey, am I going to say yes to God or am I going to say no to God today? And every day for 120 years until the ark was built, Noah said yes to God. I wish I could say yes to God for 120 days straight. 120 years straight. Let me, let me back up. I'll start with 120 days. I know I couldn't do 120 years. 120 days would be a big bite for me. Anybody else feel that way? But Noah was faithful. He said yes to God. He believed God. And every day he worked to build the box. Every day he said yes to preaching about sin. Every day he said yes to telling people they needed to repent. Every day he woke up and said yes to God that I'm going to go and I'm going to build that boat that represents how you're going to save men. I, every day, God, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to say yes to you. I'm going to continue to be faithful so that what you say will be true will be true because you're working it through me. Can you imagine the load? Can you imagine if he said no? All of humanity rested upon the yes that Noah had to say to God. And every day he said yes. He did it. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 8, verse 1, that God remembered Noah. 
It's a good thing, amen? It's a good thing he didn't shut him in the box and just say, forget, forget that. I'm busy. But God remembered Noah and took care of him. And there came a day that God saved Noah, that the ark came to rest on the mountain. And they stayed in the ark until all the waters had receded. And he realized that his burden become the greatest blessing in his life because God saved him. God saved Noah and his family. You say, well, what did he do then? Well, chapter 8, verse 1 says that God remembered Noah. And then in verse 14, it says, in the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth was dry. And Noah went out of the ark and everything that was in the ark, and he did what God said. God told him to be fruitful and multiply. Just fill the earth. Just repopulate it, Noah. You and your wife and your sons and their wives. And it's on you. You're the father of the next generation. If you want to have faith like Noah, then you've got to have some resolve. And you've got to have some perseverance. And you've got to have some endurance. See, it's all about the weight And what I saw about Noah is that his weight wasn't, why am I trusting? It was, it was backwards. It was trusting, I am waiting. Trusting, I am waiting. And he waited, and he waited, and he waited, and he got off the ark. And when his foot hit dry land, it says in verse 20 of Genesis chapter 8, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord. And he took of every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. Noah's first priority wasn't to build a home, to fill it with children. Noah's first priority was to build an altar to worship the Lord. It wasn't just a place of kneeling and confessing. It was a place where he'd come to make burnt offering. And it says that he made offering of every living thing that was on the ark. He built this and he, he brought of every clean animal, every clean bird, and he offered burnt offerings on that altar. And here's how the burnt offering worked. The worshiper, and this is really the first time you see this in Scripture. The worshiper, in this case it's Noah, He would bring the animal. In the Old Testament law, they'd bring the animal to the priest. Noah didn't have a priest. Noah was a priest. He didn't need a mediator. He had a relationship with God. He was walking with God. He was found faithful in that. And so he brought these animals. And you can imagine that he placed his hands on the animals. And he killed the animal. And what that represented was, it it represented Noah declaring that his sins would be upon the animal and the animal would die in his place. He's a substitute of the one that should die. Matthew Henry said it this way. He said the burnt offering was an acknowledgement that he deserved to die and would have been willing to die if God required it to give honor and glory To God alone. Now that is faith. 
And it reminds me of Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says that if we offer our bodies as living sacrifices, that we should do that. To offer our bodies, to offer our lives as living sacrifices that are holy and acceptable unto God, which is pleasing and acceptable worship. When we come to worship, to bring an offering, the question is, are we saying, God, I give you my life. I'm willing to die all for your glory. Is that what we say when we come to worship? That's what Noah was offering. And it says in verse 21 that the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. In other words, it pleased God. And the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake, although the imagination of his heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I've done. Why did God say that? Because the faith of the one man that He chose to save pleased Him. Noah wasn't chosen to build an ark because he had great faith. Noah had great faith, so he was chosen to build an ark. God's Son, Jesus Christ, is a picture of a lot of things in this story. He's a picture of a man who was greatly faithful, completely faithful, perfectly faithful to his Father. And God found him faithful to save you and I. But God's not really, Jesus isn't really like Noah. Jesus is the ark. And He said, I want you to come because I'm knocking. And if you'll just open the door, I will come in. And I'll walk with you. I'll live with you. Hey, I'll save you from your sin. And I'll restore your relationship with my Father. And not only will I restore my relationship, your relationship with my Father but I'll share everything that I have and everything that I will inherit. It'll be yours. We live in a day when it's hard to be the one who's faithful. It's hard to be the one in 10 billion. But if God laid that calling on you, would you do it? Would you do it? Would He find you faithful in that? And can you say, God, I want my life to be a living sacrifice all for Your glory? That's the kind of faith that God is calling us to have. Jesus asked the question, when I return to the earth, when I return the second time, will I find faith upon the earth? My prayer is that He'll find it in us. Let's pray. Father, thank You for the call. Thank You for the call on our lives. Thank You for the call to follow You. Thank You for the calling to believe You. And thank You for the call to fully place our confidence in You and in the work that You have done through Your Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross 
to save mankind from sin. Today, my first prayer, God, is that we would not turn away from the warning. That you're going to judge the world one day. Not by a flood, but by fire. And you're going to destroy it. But you provided an ark. You provided a gift. You provided a way. Through your Son, that all men can be saved. Thank you that we can confess our sin to you and you're faithful to hear. You're faithful to forgive. You're faithful to cleanse. You're faithful to not, not, to not wipe us out, but to wipe the slate clean. And to give us a fresh start. And God, I, my prayer is that because that's what you offer and that's what you give. And you give us the choice to choose. I pray that today we would choose you. We would place our faith and trust in you for salvation. And we would place our faith and trust in you for life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, let's stand together. We've got a few minutes. I'm going to ask Philip to come. Here's, here's what I believe, is that when we come together, we hear the Word of God, we, we worship God together, there's something 